welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by MindHockey Resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Andre Lefebvre, scout with the Moncton Wildcats and assistant coach with Dalhousie University. In one of the longest discussions to date on the podcast, Andre dives into conversations on scouting, coaching, and more. We talk junior, minor hockey, and about the East Coast hockey scene in this jam-packed episode. With that, here's Andre Lefebvre, scout with the Moncton Wildcats and assistant coach with Dalhousie University. Today I'm joined by Andre Lefebvre. Scout with Moncton Wildcats and skills coach with Dalhousie University. Andre, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Let's just dive right into your career here, get her going, and maybe talk about your upbringing, uh, where you're from, and then talk about your involvement in sports throughout your youth. Sure. So, uh, you know, pretty typical childhood, uh, like most, uh, you know, other Canadian kids around, you know, you, you get up, uh, you know, everything was, for us, it were, it, where I lived in Nova Scotia, it was hockey, hockey, hockey. Uh, but my father actually was a football coach. So we, we had it, uh, ingrained in us that the, the sports were pretty, pretty, you know, mainstream part of everyday life right off the wheel. So, uh, you know, grew up playing hockey in, uh, in Bedford here in uh, Nova Scotia, uh, you know, uh, with a lot of my buddies who are still buddies of mine, uh, to, the, to this day, um, you know, great experiences, you know, uh, you know, great friendships we made the whole way along and, uh, you know, Guys, as everybody kept going, uh, you know, you, you get start getting onto these uh, higher level teams. You, you know, you play your midget and things like that, and you know, we we uh, we all you know you know got to these certain levels and all kind of you know had our cup of tea at things and, and and all went our certain ways. And you know, I I, I had my cup of tea in midget. Uh, you know, had a, had a, had a few stints in junior. Uh, was drafted by Valdor. Uh, in 1994, you know, a little cup of tea there, nothing, nothing major, nothing extensive, but, uh, you know, learned a lot about, uh, you know, try having to do things on your own and, and, you know, having to grow up pretty quickly, things like that. So, uh, bounced around with some more junior teams. And then, uh, you know, to be honest with you, uh, stopped playing when I was, uh, probably 19, you know, just got tired of the, the bouncing around and, and thought, you know, maybe, I, I want to go in a different direction and, you know, wasn't real happy with, with how hockey had, had, uh, had been treated and treated me and how things had gone. So um, learned about three months later that I absolutely loved the game and I had to get back into it somehow. And, uh, you know, everything kind of, kind of went from there with, with the coaching and scouting and everything. Yeah. The passion definitely derives from uh, early playing or even just being a fan early on. And yeah. uh, especially when your friends and things like that are involved, it can really uh, drive that. But, it's interesting to hear that you took a step back and uh, very quickly realized you you had to go back into the game. And uh, when we were talking beforehand uh, and going back and forth with messages, you said your coaching career started uh, around 98 at the junior A level. Just uh, speak to that initial role and then the eventual transition to opportunities with other teams like SMU. You know, the coaching career started, it was it was one of these things. It was It's funny because um, at the time I was working at, uh, Cleve Sporting Goods here in the city and, uh, you know, was, was getting into doing, uh, you know, hockey schools and then, you know, start just starting to, to, you know, get into the hockey environment more and more, 
Um, you know, I, I just, I'd started scouting uh, pre the previous uh, season in 1997 with Val Dor. Um, and, and the, the way the coaching kind of, just kind of one of those things where, you know, you were standing there at, at work one day working in the hockey section, go figure. And, uh, I had a, I had a buddy of mine come up to me and, you know, asking, you know, what my interest level would be to, to jump in. And, you know, he, he had just get, this was his first, uh, goal with the junior A's and, and you know, he wanted to, to kind of do it, put his stamp on it and kind of do it his way. So, you know, I jumped on very early with him and, uh, and, you know, it was a great experience. I loved, you know, I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, the, we were the Bad News Bears slap shot organization of the, of the whole situation for a few years there. But, uh, you know, you got to be, you know, you got to be around the dressing room again, got to be around the, the guys again. And uh, it was a situation where, you know, you could just feel the passion coming back. You know, you're just dying to be at the rink every day, dying to get to the rink early and, and dissect what happened the night before or get to the rink and, you know, jump in and practice and all those various things. And it just, it just felt like it was right. Yeah, for sure. And when you have a positive experience early on like that, it definitely fuels you to see what else is out there and keep moving. Um, you know, you, you briefly talked about uh, Valdor there and how you started out scouting. Uh, maybe let's go back to that opportunity and uh, just talk about the process of getting into scouting and even moving on to Shawinigan later. Uh, maybe just talk about both of those roles and kind of what you learned uh, early on. Sure. So early on, uh, you know, the, the way it was with the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League at that point, that was just the infancy of the uh, the Maritime teams coming into the fold. So uh, you'd had uh, Halifax came in, I believe, in the 1994-95 season. And then you had uh, Moncton came in, uh, in in the 1996 season. So it was very much, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the Quebec major junior teams and franchises realized very quickly that there was a, there was a lot of hockey players now that, okay, now we have got to get a handle on these guys before it was kind of like, you know, you get, you, you see kids get an opportunity. It was, it was kind of a word of mouth or somebody saw you at a tournament, one of the big midget tournaments, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, oh, this kid can speak French, you know, this kid's a tough kid, you know, th that's kind of how the opportunities came. And once the Maritime team started showing up and people started coming down and seeing the, the 10,000 fans in Halifax and, Oh, wait a minute, this isn't going anywhere. This isn't one of these flash in the pan situations. Uh, you know, Moncton all of a sudden showed up and then, uh, you know, once again, people had to realize, you know, okay, we have to get a handle on, on who these kids are. And, 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 you know, we're starting to see these maritime kids on these maritime teams. Okay. You know, why didn't we have anybody watching them? So I was actually at a game. Uh, I went, I went to Valdor was in town playing Halifax. So I went down to see uh, all the, all the P all the guys that I knew and the, the coaches and my old general manager, a man, a man by the name of uh, Michel Georges was down uh, they used to use it as a uh, actually as a, as a franchise vacation they would come down and, and everybody would get on the airplane they charter one down they come down and play uh, you know two games uh, everybody would go to the five fishermen for dinner and, and experience the seafood and things like that so at the game I ran into Michelle and uh, you know he, he started asking you know what I was doing and, 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 and trying to see uh, you know whether or not I'd be interested in, in, in jumping on board and, and you know I took the, the opportunity right away it was, it was I think he asked me the question I think I answered him within you know a nanosecond you know that was something i'd always been interested in doing um i had known a few you know you, you, everybody knew a few of the, the local scouts around the city at the time but you know and there wasn't many around so an opportunity like that kind of you know it, it fell into my lap and it was you know it was, it was wonderful to get that start with it so uh lo and behold the very first year i did it the very that was the the year uh valdor won the the president's cup and you know 
you know, six months later, you know, I get a knock on the door from FedEx and here's your championship ring. It was like, what? This is, this is how scouting is like. This is, this is fantastic. I'm going to keep doing this for the rest of my life. So, you know, it's, it, what I've learned since then, it's not quite that easy and it doesn't quite happen that quickly, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it turned into a, a wonderful opportunity. And I got to work with some really, really quality hockey people. And, uh, you know, they gave me an opportunity to, to learn. They gave me an opportunity to ask a ton of, you know, ridiculous questions. Um, you know, they, you know, they gave me an opportunity to, to put together reports. Uh, and, and they always told me the whole way along was just document what you see. Don't worry about buzzwords. Don't worry about, you know, what this guy saw, uh, you know, from this player, you have to make sure you're seeing the same thing. Just document what you're seeing. And that always carried really, you know, a lot of weight with me because, you know, it's very easy as you well, as you know, in the hockey world to get wrapped up in these buzzwords and, 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 you know, well, this guy thinks this, I got to think this too. And, you know, they always told me to stand on my two feet. You know, they, they said, you're going to make mistakes and there's going to be, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to see things and, 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 and think that you're seeing one thing and it's going to turn out to be totally different, you know, five games later, but you just document what you're seeing, all the little things. And it doesn't, it didn't have to be just on the ice either. It had to be things like, you know, how do they conduct themselves when they're, you know, going back to the bench, how, you know, how are they conducting themselves away from the rink? Um, you know, when, when, you know, everybody else is leaving to go to the, uh, the doors and the exits at, at when the game's seven to two, you know, are they on the ice showboating and are they on the ice, you know, whacking a guy with their stick, you know, stay and watch all of those things. And, and that's, you know, those, those little habits and details really carried, you know, like I said, carried a lot of weight with me. So um, uh, my head scout, my chief scout at the time was a man by the name of uh, Norm Gosling. Norm is, is since passed on, but Norm, uh, Norm became uh, director of player personnel in Arizona and, and the Phoenix organization for, for a long time. And, you know, Norm, you know, he, he, he was the nicest person to work with. He was the easiest person to work with. And, uh, you know, he, he would be the guy that, that I would say really uh, was, was the mentor for me uh, in those early years of scouting. You know, I, 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 I used to think to myself, geez, I must be bugging him. Like, I've asked him 150 questions in the last three days. Like, I must be driving him nuts. And Norm would always answer the question. He always took the time to answer questions. And he always took the time to tell you a story and then, you know, and then, and, that always made me feel part of things. And, you know, when you're, you know, in your early twenties uh, in Atlantic Canada and the team you work with is in Northern Quebec and all of their, uh, their personnel, all of their, their, uh, their management, all their staff is, is located there as well. It's easy to feel like you're on the Island and, and nobody's paying any attention to you and, you know, trying to figure out if I'm doing a good job. Norm checked in with me every three days. Uh, you know, whether or not he would, you know, he, he'd asked me if, you know, uh, how I was doing at university, he asked me, you know, how my, my family was doing, you know, then Norm always took the time to do that. And like I said, Norm, Norm in that situation was the guy that, that really, you know, he was the, the guy that really helped me get to the, you know, be comfortable in my skin as a scout. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I like how you talk about that opportunity, you know, opportunity really is everything in this game. And especially at a young age like that, uh, those opportunities don't come along a lot of the time. And no. Uh, you know, kind of jumping at it is, uh, you know, the, really the only way to be successful in that kind of role. And uh, as much as an opportunity to work, to be with the team, uh, the opportunity to learn and, and have somebody that's willing to answer all those questions is maybe even bigger. And um, I can definitely understand where you come from, from scouts. You know, you're not really in the team setting every day. Sometimes it can feel like you're a little bit isolated, but 
uh, kind of similar to the way that Sarnia works with me when I'm in Newfoundland and, and coordinating their relationship and checking in, you know, every, every so often it's, uh, it really does make a difference and it uh, pushes you to, you know, putting that extra effort in the job and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, it was, it was, it was a great, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. It was a, it was a wonderful time to, uh, to, to be learning, you know, we were right in the throes of, of, of winning a championship. Um, you know, I, I got to see how the championship teams were built and then conversely to the other side of it, once, uh, once the, once the team had, had finished and they, they'd gone to the Memorial Cup and it didn't go quite the way they wanted to go, have it go that year. Um, you know, what it was like at that next draft and, and how, okay, the, the pieces are gone now. Now we've got to, we've got to rebuild and then to see how to, how to do all that as well. So it was, uh, you know, it was a really, really interesting time to, to, to be a scout down here, especially in the infancy of, of the Quebec league being, being so new in the, in Atlantic Canada and, and, and seeing how, uh, everybody approached watching kids and things like that. Yeah, definitely a, a different venture for that league. But, uh, as we've seen in recent years, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, they reap the benefits of uh, integrating that player pool. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. So, you know, moving forward, uh, you would get involved in minor hockey coaching and a couple of different roles that way. Uh, let's start with the Halifax Major Midget Titans and just talk about the difference, uh, you know, jumping into minor hockey uh, with that team. Sure. So, uh, I, I, you know, I had uh, scouted for a while and then, you know, I really... I had gotten away from the coaching a little bit because I, you know, I, I had to get back to finishing off some schooling and things like that. So um, I, I had been away for a little while uh, after I finished my school. I actually, I actually went back to school and to, and to, to the community college and took another, took another trade, if you will, and ended up uh, working on the road for a few years. So I, uh, things changed with my job. I ended up kind of more stable being back home. And I always knew that I wanted to get back in it. And the worst thing, you know, at the time was, you know, you were in it at a very high level uh, at the junior A level, uh, you know, coaching with St. Mary's um, and then you, you step away and it's real easy to get lost when you step away, uh, especially if you, you step away for a few years and, uh, you know, trying to get back into it. Um, it actually started as a, as a buddy of mine uh, who was, was, he was coaching a peewee triple A team. And he, uh, something happened or he was an assistant. That's what it was. He was an assistant coach with the PB triple A team. Something happened. And all of a sudden the head coaching job fell in his lap. And he, and he, to be honest with you, he'll tell you the same thing. He had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> so he called me right away and he said, uh, I need some help. So, you know, you start getting back into it, with the kids really quick. And, uh, you know, again, the, the, the juices get flowing again. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a real good start with there. And that's where, um, I connected with, with one of probably the most, one of the most important people in my hockey life, uh, a man by the name of Kirk Tomlinson and Kirk, uh, at the time was the head coach of the, uh, Halifax major midget franchise, which, you know, is now known as the max, but at the time it was called the Halifax Titans. And, uh, you know, Kirk had me out with, uh, he was the, the director of development in the association uh, that the PBAAA played out of. So we got this, we got to know each other. You know, I, I got to jump on the ice with the Peewees. He got to kind of see, uh, you know, where my hockey background was and, and what I was able to do. And we just took it from there. Um, you know, I, I started doing some camps and things like that for him. Uh, and then it just, uh, you know, one of my good friends, um, got in this, got the head coaching job of the new major Bantam league, uh, here in, here in Nova Scotia and, uh, asked me right away to come on board. And our dressing room was 
in the Halifax form right beside Kirk's dressing room with the Halifax Titans. So once, you know, once all these things kind of started lining themselves up, uh, I knew that I wanted to make that, that, uh, that jump to the next level. Uh, you know, I, I didn't make any bones about it. I, you know, I, I talked with Kirk about it. I told him that, you know, that was very much a goal of mine and, and it just kind of led itself to there and uh, jumping on with Kirk, you know, it was, it was the best thing that ever happened to me as a coach, because at the time, um, you know, I, I knew a lot, uh, you know, I knew how to dissect things when I saw them on the ice. Um, you know, I knew how to run a bench, but I knew I needed work, uh, in, in my practices. And so what Kirk did was, you know, it was, it was kind of like the, the big brother, tough love. He would give you all the time in the world to work on your practices, but you had to work on them. He wasn't going to do it for you. So, and I can still remember the, the first practice he, we went to the board and uh, he looked at us and uh, my, the other assistant coaches I worked with at the time, uh, John Greenwood, who's with the Halifax Mooseheads now, you know, he, he would, uh, he would go do his, his drills and, and, and draw them up and, and, and we would go and, and, you know, push his pucks in the spots and he'd always skate beside John and I and go, get ready, your day's coming. And John and I would kind of giggle and look at each other and go, what the hell's he talking about? <laughs> And then we started putting two and two together. Okay, he's going to start getting us to do stuff on the board now. So it was, we would get to the board and, you know, it was, you know, you, you, you go through a drill and a lot of young coaches don't realize uh, how hard it is to stand up in front of uh, 20, 17 year olds and go through a drill and be precise and, and, and be clear with what you want to say and then be clear with your, 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 your teaching points. Uh, until you get up and stand in front of them. So, you know, it, it was one of the, I remember the first time I got up there, it was like, oh boy, I need some work on this. So we, uh, Kirk would always say, okay, John, you've got the first two, Andre, you have the next two and away we go. And uh, it was a sink or swim. It's either, it's either you figured out what worked for you and, and, and you figured out how to do it properly, or, uh, you know, you were, you were going to, you were going to fall apart. And, uh, you know, I, I always, at the time, I remember thinking like, holy geez, what did I get myself involved in? And now when I look back on it, you know, I absolutely love them for doing that for us. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was, it was fantastic. And, you know, I think that really developed, you know, uh, a certain facet of the game that I needed to get better on, but not only that, it developed a real cohesion and real trust between the, between us as a coaching staff that, you know, Kirk was never going to let us fail, but he didn't want to do anything for us. And that message, you know, he sent to us, he also sent it to the kids too. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever been involved with a group, uh, you know, at that time in my coaching that, that ever played so hard for a coach because, you know, that's, that's the way his personality was. Yeah, for sure. And it's always great to see the players respond in that way. But for you, it, it was a learning opportunity. Uh, you know, multiple times on the podcast, I've talked about uh, those opportunities that maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable or push you in a direction oh. that, in other words, you wouldn't want to go yeah. into. But that's definitely one of those. And uh, one of our last guests, uh, Chris Lazary, um, talked about doing that actually at the NHL level at a bottle steel camp and going in for the first time. And um, he said that was almost like a nightmare experience, but a blessing in disguise. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's, I can still remember, you know, the, to the day and that was God, you know, that's, that's pushing, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago now, um, you know, to getting up in front of those kids and being just, you know, my handshake and, and uh, you know, it, it, to have the confidence to be able to, to deliver your message and, and know what you're talking about and be able to actually spit it out. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do, especially if you're not used to it. Now I consider myself somebody who's got a, a personality where I'm, I'm outgoing and I don't have a problem speaking in front of people, but that's not easy for people. And uh, you know, you have to develop 
what works for you. Uh, one thing I always found worked for me is I had to literally go through uh, what I do or what I want to do uh, in the practice plan with my eyes closed about 15 minutes before practice. And I would, I would do that before those practices and kind of have a little run through in my head of, of, you know, this is the point I want to hit and this is what I want to talk about. And this is where I want to, you know, talk to them about, you know, the drill piece, but you know, what they're trying to do within the, that piece of the drill, that section of the drill. And I found that has always carried through for the rest of my practices from that point on, because I get to the board, I'm clear. I, I've gone through it in my head. I, I've hit the points I want to hit. You always get a, you're, I always encourage my players to ask questions, but the worst part is, is when you get to the board and you're starting to go through all these things in your head, especially early on, you get that one question that just throws you sideways. Yeah. Well, what do I do if this happens? Uh, you're thinking, well, I wasn't talking about that. Why are you asking about that? And then all of a sudden your mind goes into a totally different direction. And you completely forget about the drill you're trying to run. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, like I said, it, 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 we, we had to grow up very quickly as coaches to, uh, to try to make sure that we kept up and, and uh, you know, it, it actually funny story. Uh, we were in St. John's that year for the Atlantics after we'd won in Nova Scotia and we were playing, uh, in the new, uh, it was a new rink out in Torbay at the time. It was brand spanking new. Jack Byrne. Yeah, the Jack Byrne. And we, uh, we walked into that Jack Byrne rink and I remember, you know, we were all jacked up. We'd had good rivalries all year long with, with the privateers in a Moncton and community town. It was going to be a really, really quality tournament. And, uh, Kirk ended up actually getting thrown out of the game in the first game. He got thrown out of the tournament because, uh, we had a referee that told us, you know, hold the bench and go. And our goaltender went. Uh, where our dressing room was right behind the net, and we ended up coming back out to the, to a to a two minute penalty uh, in, in the second period, and just as you can imagine, just escalated from there. So uh, by the end of the game, Kirk Kirk had found himself a, a four game vacation, we'll say, and John and I had to run the bench for the rest of the tournament. And I remember it was like, okay, uh, the what do we do now? And it was like, wait a minute, we've done this all year long anyway, so we were ready to do it. So yeah. Yeah, and like you said, being prepared for that opportunity is uh, was a thing that he was almost uh, looking to do early on, and, and you guys were ready when that opportunity came. And for you, you would uh, you know move into some other roles, and another head coaching role would come up soon with the Gulls Hockey Club. Just talk about uh, that transition and a little bit of a different approach as a head coach. Sure. So um, you know, we had I'd been with Kirk for a couple years. Um, I took an opportunity to be a head coach with the with the Bantam team in Halifax. Uh, it didn't work out as well as I thought it was going to, uh, you know, we were, we were, I was doing some other things, uh, hockey wise at the time. And, um, to tie back in with Kirk, uh, he owned the major bandom franchise in, in the, the Gulls, which is just down the road, uh, in, in St. Margaret's Bay. So, um, you know, I, I knew at the end of the season, I was going to, my, my thought was I was going to step back and kind of maybe take a year and kind of, you know, reevaluate things and kind of see where I was going with this whole thing. And, and Kirk called me and said, uh, you know, I, I, you know, the guy who he had here the last couple of years is, is leaving because he, you know, he's got a young family and things like that. Do you want, do you want to take this one over? You know, I'd love to have you. I'd love to, love to be able to, to work with you again, you know, and, and, and give you the opportunity. And, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, it was hard to say no going, you know, felt, you felt like you were going back home again. So going out there and, and, and taking over, uh, you know, which 
you know, at the, arguably, you know, the, if you look at the history of the, of the, I guess it's called the major U15 league now. So I, I have to change my, my, my lingo. Uh, um, the, there's been a couple franchises that have, that have uh, primarily done all the, the winning when it comes to the end. Um, you know, if, if you look back on the, on the 10 year history or the 11 year history, whatever it is, I, I only think, to be honest with you, I think there's only been three or four teams uh, that have won it. And, and represented the province in the Atlantics and, and the Gulls and, and Halifax were, you know, probably took 90% of those. So, you know, it was going, I'm going to a franchise that was, uh, you know, that was, uh, had just come off literally an Atlantic championship uh, over in Newfoundland at the, at the, over at the glacier there. And, uh, you know, there was, there was all kinds of, of, of high expectations and things like that. But uh, what it, I guess the biggest part that I kind of was able to jump in and, and I won't say put my stamp on it, but um, Kirk allowed me to be uh, as creative as I wanted with the development. So this would have been the first time that I was really able to take the development model of, of coaching and apply it to within the, the regular season. Like I'd always wanted to do. I always thought, you know, we have to be working on skills. We have to be doing this. And at the major major level at the time when I was coaching there as an assistant, you know, it was, everybody gets so focused on wins, uh, especially at that level and, and producing players to, to kind of be drafted the following year and things like that. Um, you know, in the, in the early, well, we'll say, you know, the, the early 2010s and 11s and things like that, there wasn't the big focus on the skill development within the season. I mean, you did do some, you know, individual things. We did all kinds of split work and things like that with forwards and D, but you never got a chance to just break it down and work on individual skills. So one thing I had always you know, I'd always worked on my players in the summertime was, was the individual skill piece. So I thought, you know what, I want to really bring this with us. So we had, uh, we had three practices a year that year, uh, which was a lot for, for a major Bantam team. And, uh, you know, we mandated that Tuesday was going to be individual skills, no offense or buts. And, uh, you know, we broke, we, we broke it down as, as simple as it was. I, I, I remember the first, we'll say the first couple practices I ran that season and, and, and on that Tuesday skills se uh, session, um, I remember the parents walked in and they were just like, what is going on in here? I had every chair and pylon and stick you could possibly imagine on the ice. And we were, we had broken down to, you know, eight stations and we were working on, you know, novice drills and things like that. But, um, you know, as, as the season got, got a little longer into the teeth, you know, we started seeing, you know, these kids are really getting better. And, you know, it's, it wasn't like junior hockey where you could just, you know, okay, well, this guy's not doing the job. We're going to bring somebody else in. Or, you know, it wasn't like midget where you could, you know, sit a guy on the bed. We mandated that, that we were taking a team that everybody was going to play. And then come, you know, uh, Christmas time, we'd evaluate what everybody's roles were going to be. And we stuck to it. And, I mean, there were all kinds of times where, you know, there'd be two minutes left to go in a, in a one-goal game. And, you know, I got the two guys standing beside me on the bench as my two assistants, and I can feel their eyes burning holes in the side of my head going, okay, we got to load up. We got to go. We got, no, that wasn't our plan. And we're not going to, we, we can't change this now. Our plan was to make sure everybody got a chance to play because we needed to see what everybody could do. And that was, that was ultimately what it came down to was, you know, if you're going to take 19 kids on a team and, but you're only going to play 12 of them, you know, what are you doing for those other seven kids? Yeah. So we stuck to our guns and, and, you know, it did bite us, but uh, 
you know, we had, uh, you know, we had 12 kids off that team play, uh, play major midget off that team the following year. And, uh, uh, the next year, uh, we had, you know, we had a, a good returning or good returning class coming back and we were a bigger, older team and we ended up winning the whole thing that year. Um, we had 16 out of the 19 play major midget after that. And, and, you know, yeah, we won, it was great experience, that sort of thing. But the thing I, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, the most proud of in that whole situation is, is running into these kids now that are all, uh, finishing their junior careers and, and getting ready to, uh, potentially play at the university level or move on to, you know, those kids, we, we put them on a good path. And I, I've, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Scott Barnes, one of our other guests, uh, always talked about, uh, you know, when, whenever he's seen a player develop, he, he valued that over standings or, or wins. And yep. uh, in the same way that you guys did with your development there, you really worked on uh, giving those players the opportunities to experience, you know, situations that, and a lot of teams and a lot of coaches, they wouldn't have that opportunity. And uh, I'm sure, you know, over time, it really helped develop those kids. And uh, then later on, when you guys had success with the development, it's just, uh, you know, icing on top of the cake. So uh, your next role that we want, would you move into is uh, with the Valley Wildcats. You do some scouting and also some coaching there. Uh, just talk about the entire process with that team and maybe even touch on the process of recruiting for that league. Sure. So, uh, you know, leaving the Gulls, it was, you know, at, at that time, it was a very hard decision for me because, uh, you know, we, we had really built a, a culture of, of uh, you know, being, you know, very key on the development and things like that. So when I got the chance to go to the junior A level with my, with my good buddy, Nick Reno, who actually I drafted in 1997, if you could imagine, um, you know, when Nicky called me, and asked me to come down and, and be, uh, you know, be his assistant and, and things like that. At the time when I, when I decided to go down, you know, it was a, it was a team that was, it was an older team. Uh, you know, he was looking to, to load it up a little bit and, and, and try to take a run at, at winning everything and things like that. So I thought, okay, well, you know, I, uh, I can come down and I can work on the skills and, and things like that. And we could take, we could take some of the things that, that we did uh, at the lower levels and apply it to the older guys and see, see if, know how that's going to work and Nikki you know was a big fan and he gave me you know a, a lot of rope to try that with him um so you know we started off there uh it didn't go nearly the way we thought it was going to it went uh, I think it went sideways right off the wheel uh we tried to bring a goaltender and, and, a, and his brother in from the United States and and we had it all lined up and everything was good to go and you know the kid uh, actually turned out to be a couple years later down the road in the league uh, the Maritime Junior League, he ended up being the MVP uh, and top goaltender. So we knew what we had in him. We just, we thought we had him and all of a sudden it went sideways and all of a sudden we were on to plan B and plan C and then we were chasing things right off the wheel. So it, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, a, it was a very interesting experience for me because it was so game oriented uh, versus the practice model. Um, you know, there was, we played 60 games, uh, you know, you'd practice, you know, uh, a couple days during the week and bang, you'd be on the road on a Thursday. And it wasn't uncommon to, you know, be on the road uh, Thursday night, Friday night and Saturday. And then, you know, Sunday, you know, you could potentially have a game on Sunday as well, depending on the schedules and things like that. So there were a lot of really interesting back-to-back uh, -back situations we ran into with, uh, you know, as, as far as, so you're always, you're getting on the actual practices and things like that. And, and uh, you know, the kid, the kids were, 
I'll say because it was the older group, they weren't as interested in doing the skill development pieces as, 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 as you know, a lot of them, they are now, uh, you know, I, I work with some of the pro guys now and you, you can't get them off the ice. They want to work on it so much. So, you know, it was, it was a different time with that group and, and, the, you know, I, the, the big pieces I learned with that is instead of being the head coach and, you know, I, I sometimes you'd have to wield the, uh, the hammer sometimes and, 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 you know, be the bad guy. Uh, I got to take on the different role as I got to take on the, the good guy role. Um, you know, that's, I'd come from the assistant, uh, you know, way back when. So I, I loved being the good guy. It was nice for a change. And, uh, you know, it was, you're able to talk to some players and, you know, a lot of the things I got out of that year with the junior A club was they weren't hockey related. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of kids that year that, they, you know, they had some things that were dealing with off the ice, um, you know, that you, you had to, you know, I had to take my coach hat off and put on my psychologist hat a, a few times, you know, there was a few times where, uh, you know, kids had some, some, some issues with, with their, their parents' health. And, you know, they, they, they had to, it was tough working through those situations. So I learned a lot of, uh, you know, how to navigate those situations uh, with the kids without, you know, without getting too deeply involved in the hockey piece of it, like the hockey at the junior A level, like, especially at the time in the Maritime Junior League, you know, it was, uh, you know, somebody wasn't working out, you know, it was one in one out. So it was a little tougher that way as far as, you know, we had our core kids, about 15 kids that we had with us all season long, but there was always two or three guys coming in and two or three guys going out. And it was, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, I learned a lot of, of, of things to, to do coaching wise and it had nothing to do with hockey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's uh, something that we hear a lot about, especially at the junior level and um, a lot of times in draft years and, and when players are looking to, uh, you know, potentially move on to a new level, you're trying to deal with their hockey careers, but there's so much personal stuff that, uh, you know, coaches every day now have to take into account. And yeah. uh, you were able to learn that lesson. And then, you know, shortly after you went back into the minor hockey program with the midget program, and even now in Halifax, uh, just talk about those roles and maybe how with that knowledge of working with junior players and, you know, the different approach that they take sometimes the practices and things like that. How have you applied that, you know, differently now with sure. the minor hockey programs? Yeah. So, you know, at the time when, uh, you know, I decided I was going to, I was going to take, I was going to take on the midget team down in uh, in the Valley. I, I just, I, um, you know, I, I had had the, uh, that summer I, I was able to go to the, uh, the national under 17 camp with, uh, with hockey Canada. Um, I, I had taken on the role of the, the Nova Scotia scouting with the Monk and Wildcats earlier that season as well. So, um, you know, the big thing I, I, when I decided I was going to go back to the major, uh, major U18 level, we'll say, um, I had seen a lot of, of high level hockey players. I'd seen a lot of, you know, what they were doing to, to, to not only get to that level, but to stay at that level and, and get better. And I thought, you know, it, I think I'd be better served uh, at the U18 level being to help being able to help the players you know from what i've seen and so i took the same philosophy that i had with the with the bandams a few years earlier and and applied it right to the midgets and and it was a situation where you know we had some we had some good talent down there uh there were some you know great kids some great families um but there was a lot of them in that area of the province they had never seen um or, or never had worked with 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 kind of the way i was doing things so it was a certainly, it was an adjustment period for a lot of people down there. I, I won't make any bones about it. 
Um, my good buddy, uh, Darren Burns, who's the head coach at Acadia University, I had his son Brady on that team. And uh, Brady had returned from, uh, from Notre Dame out in Saskatchewan. Uh, he was looking, you know, Brady was, was, had a lot of interest in going to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League the following season. So, you know, Brady was a, was a big key on that team. Uh, but, but again, it, it, you know, it just wasn't about Brady. It was about trying to help a lot, a lot of guys, you know, start to learn the habits and details. And, you know, it wasn't any fault of the, of the players by any means, but it, it was the, the environment, the small town environments they were coming from. I, I think the third practice we had down there, once the team was, was selected, um, I remember coming into the rink and I, we had our own dressing room in the rink. And I, I remember walking in and said, no, we're not even going on the ice. And we spent the next two hours uh, going over uh, how we conducted ourselves in the dressing room, how we mentally prepared for a game, uh, how we put our stalls away properly. Uh, all of those things that, that I'd, I'd seen, you know, with various teams over the last couple of years, I'd seen at the highest levels in Canada. Uh, these kids needed to know that because if they wanted any chance to go to the next level, uh, coming in and throwing your shoulder pads on the floor wasn't going to cut it. You know, somebody was, somebody was going to go to a coach right away and say, listen, you know, this is, this is how this guy acts away from the rink. And, you know, once you've gone down that path, it's, 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 it's a tough thing to get off the side of your name. So it's, uh, you know, we had to, we had to start right at the very basics. And, uh, you know, we did, you know, I had, I had, you know, two fantastic assistant coaches. One guy coached at Acadia, uh, had played some pro hockey over at, uh, in Europe. And, uh, you know, I, I leaned on him a lot because, you know, he had seen experiences. He, he knew uh, all the habits and details that, that I was trying to, to push on to the kids. So he, you know, I, I leaned on Danny a lot that year for, uh, you know, for a lot of things like that. And, and I had another younger assistant coach who was just learning. But, you know, he was he was actually the role of, of, of kind of the, the go between and the good guy for the kids. So it was, uh, it, you know, I had a lot of fun down there. I really did. Uh, the biggest problem I ran into down there, to be perfectly honest with you, was, uh, it was an hour and 35 minute commute from my house every day. <laughs> so yeah. it was, uh, and, and, uh, if anybody listening to the podcast knows, uh, driving from the city down to the Valley, uh, on the, on the one one uh, series highway, it's not the greatest highway in the whole world to drive on. And the weather changes on you about five times because you, you start off with one weather system, then you go into the valley and the weather system changes and then you come out of the valley and it changes again. And then you go back into it again, closer to the water and it changes for the third or the fourth time. And it's just, you know, it wasn't uncommon to get in my, my, my little SUV and, uh, you know, go get my coffee at Tim Hortons for the drive down. Uh, I'd make my phone call to usually somebody who was within the hockey world. So I'd have somebody to talk to for about 45 minutes and we'd just shoot the breeze on hockey. And, you know, you get how you get, you know, 20 miles down the road and you have to pull over on the highway because it was hailing. And then, uh, you know, you're 10 minutes. Okay. You know, the hail didn't take out my windshield. I'm okay. Now I get back on the highway again. Next thing you know, it's bright, blue, you know, bright blue sky and then sunshine. And then you go a little bit farther and, it, and it's pouring rain or all of a sudden there's flurries. And it's just, you do that for, a, you know, you do that for a full season. And, uh, you know, it was, it, I, I love, I love being down there. Don't get me wrong. And I was treated very, very well. It was just, it was way too hard on my head and way too hard on my family. So that's when, uh, you know, we made the decision to, to, to coach midget in the city the following year. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think the unpredictable weather is a component that many people on the East coast have to deal with, uh, especially here on the shore, but, um, you know, it, it's good to hear that you still uh, had a positive experience. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great group of people down there. Uh, it was a great group of kids down there. 
you know, they, they listened extremely well. They, they, they worked very, very hard. They, they did everything I, I asked of them and more. And uh, it was, it was nice at the end of that season that we saw, I think, I think we had, you know, four or five drafted. I know Brady was taken pretty early in the second round and, and you know, uh, his has, I'm not overly surprised on how he's been playing in St. John and, and, and it doesn't surprise me that he's getting uh, NHL looks. So, uh, you know, he, you know, he certainly is, but we had, you know, we had some other players like, you know, Robbie Dow, who, uh, who played for us and, you know, he was drafted by Bathurst and, and, and was, and was uh, very close to making the team on a couple different occasions. And, uh, you know, we, we have many more that were, that are all now playing uh, junior A and, and, you know, various teams around Nova Scotia. And it's, it's great to see those guys because again, you know, you're, you're the bad news bears you the way it's kind of, that's set up in Nova Scotia. It's, it's, you have your three city teams and then you have everybody else. And then it's uh, so, so when, when you're on the outside looking into those city teams uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, the players develop a little chip on their shoulder and uh, you know, if, if used properly, it's, it can propel you right to the next level. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know, in answering that question, you mentioned the Moncton Wildcats and we'll move into that opportunity next. Um, how did you find yourself with the Wildcats? And let's talk about the process and experience of uh, recruiting and scouting in this area now that, you know, every team has really invested in the Maritimes. Sure. So uh, I got a phone call from uh, Mr. Roger Shannon, who's now the uh, assistant general manager in Bathurst. And I believe he's the, the president of the Fredericton Junior A team. Uh, I've known Roger for a long time. And anyway, uh, they were, look, they had somebody in Nova Scotia. Something didn't pan out for whatever reason. I was actually sitting at a, a Moosehead game with my oldest guy. And the phone rang and, and Roger asked me if I was interested in doing it and away we went. So um, Roger was our GM that year. Uh, Darren Rumble was the head coach in Moncton at the time. And it was a, it was a fantastic, wonderful experience to jump on board with because uh, at the time, uh, you know, Moncton had players like Ivan Barbashev and Connor Garland. And, you know, they, they, had, some, they had some serious hockey players there and they, they took a couple good runs. Uh, the, I think one year we lost in the, in the semifinals, uh, we were very close. And another year uh, we were very close in the quarterfinals. So, you know, we had, we had a couple good runs at it. And it, uh, it, it was funny because I had scouted before in the Quebec League and then jumped back into it again. And it was a totally different experience from the first two because it was such in its infancy uh, working in, in Valdor and Shawinigan uh, trying to get any uh, attention paid to Nova Scotia players. Um, I can remember even one year, and, and I'll leave teams and names out of it, but I can remember one year when, uh, you know, okay, these are the, this is what we're looking for. These are the type of players we'd like to see, you know, keeping a better eye on and, and don't bother watching goaltenders down there. We can, uh, we will find somebody here in Quebec. And I remember, I'll never forget when that, when they said that to me, I said, Oh, well, that's, that's a pretty, you know, snap judgment to make for And You know, at the, at the time, uh, when, you know, we were all kids, you'd watch the world juniors. And it was three French goalies that would get the, uh, that would get the nod on trying out for the world junior teams. And, and that's what it was is it's goal Quebec, the goaltenders were, were a hotbed there. So, uh, you know, you come from that environment where, you know, we're looking at for big, strong, tough kids. Okay. Now, okay. Now we we're, we're looking, we're looking for hockey players. Okay, good. We're finally, we finally have, have bridged that gap and, and we're, we're, we're not worried about that so much anymore. So, to come in and get involved, uh, not only in the scouting world again, but get involved with it, with a maritime based team. Okay. Now I really feel like I can make a difference with this whole thing. Now I really feel like 
you know, all the work I've done with hockey, Nova Scotia, all the work I've done with the midgets and midget teams I've coached over the few years, all the kids I, you know, I've known for a long, long time at, at various camps and, and development sessions in the summertime. Okay. Now we get to put this into real use. Now I get to see, I've known some of these kids for, you know, four or five years. Okay. Now we get to give them a real opportunity. So I was, I, I, I was thrilled through the moon to get that opportunity with Moncton. And, uh, you know, we, we started, you know, you started to see, uh, the chances being given to, to maritime kids and Nova and, and, you know, Nova Scotia kids, especially down here on my end, but the Atlantic Canadian kids, especially. And there were some serious hockey players coming out of Nova, uh, Atlantic Canada at the time. Like uh, you started looking at uh, those 2000, you know, right from the 1997 group, uh, right to the 98s and 99s and, and the 2000 born kids. And, you know, you're starting to talk about kids like uh, Nathan Knoll and you're talking to, you know, you're talking about kids like uh, Nikki Welsh and, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, some serious hockey player, Michael O'Leary, who uh, I was on the ice with him, uh, you know, two weeks ago before they shut us down, you know, he got a full scholarship in, at the University of Notre Dame. And, you know, you're looking at kids, th these are some pretty serious hockey players. So now we're, you know, all of a sudden, okay, now we're going to give some opportunities to some kids that I know. Now they're going to get some opportunities, some kids that, that deserve the opportunities. And, uh, and, you know, what we started to see, the, you know, at that time was the kids knew how to play the game. So, you know, it wasn't like before where somebody drafted you and you just went. There was no event or butts and you didn't think about time. Yeah, I got an opportunity to go see you later. I'll, you know, throw my stuff in a bag and, you know, I'll end up in some place and, and I've never heard of before and we'll figure it out when we get there. All of a sudden now, you know, okay, great. You know, we're, we, we're really interested in this player and this is what we want to do. Well, you know, I have to make sure that, you know, uh, you know, what's your school package and, and don't get me wrong. I would do the same thing for my kid. Uh, you know, everybody wants to make sure their, their, their children are, are taken care of properly and treated properly. But what I started seeing very quickly was uh, the, the, the high end Atlantic Canadian players now had a mindset where they deserved it, something before they had earned it. And then, you know, so you start everybody that, that word entitlement starts creeping in and things like that. But, you know, all of a sudden, and it wasn't, I don't think it was a product of, of people being selfish. I think it was a product of, of what kind of advice uh, people were being given. And so you start, you start entering that path and, you know, you're thinking, okay, great. You know, this is a kid I've known for a long time. I've known him since he was 14 years old. He's a great kid, great family, the whole 10 yards. Well, I'm not sure I'd like to go. What's your school package like? What? You don't want to, you don't want to come to, you're from Atlantic Canada. You have an Atlantic Canadian based team uh, who, you know, has, has some financial resources like, you know, like we do in Moncton, but you know, you're, you're not sure you want to report. Well, you know, we want to, we kind of have to look at, uh, you know, other options, you know, that, 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 and, you know, uh, you know, I want to look at my NCAA. Okay. That's fine. Um, have you ever talked to an NCAA school? Well, no. Okay. Well, what are your marks like? Well, they're in the, the low 70s. Okay. Um, maybe you haven't done as much homework in this whole thing as you should have. And that's what, that's what we were starting to see over and over. So it's, it's, you know, it was, it was, it was different. It was different. You were dealing with different situations and different kids. And, and, and it was, uh, you know, it was, don't, and, and I love every second of it. Don't get me wrong, but just you're dealing with different things. Then. Yeah. It's, it's so much more goes on behind the scenes than simply finding the player, drafting yeah. the player and playing that's easy him, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the recruiting and then, you know, players looking out for their best interests, but sometimes they get tied into, uh, you know, multiple voices and things like that. But it, it is part of the process and if done correctly, everybody can benefit. But, um, you know, it's something new that you have to deal with uh, even more so in recent years as, you know, the, the game of hockey, it grows and 
uh, especially at the minor hockey level and things like that. Yeah. So moving into next couple roles here, we'll uh, we'll kind of keep going down the list. Uh, sure. The director of hockey development with Summit Academy. Talk about that position and uh, just kind of give people a little bit of background on that. Sure. So um, a few years ago, uh, a few a few people that I've gotten to know quite well uh, now, uh, two gentlemen by the name of Devin Hartnell, uh, Scott Hartnell's brother, and uh, a gentleman by the name of Rob O'Brien, decided they were going to start a, uh, a, a a private school with the model based off of uh, the active learning schools that you'd see in other parts of Canada, primarily out west. So that was the original thought behind the school is, is they wanted to, uh, you know, they, they recognized that they want, they saw some things that they didn't like within the public school system. Uh, most notably uh, the fact that they didn't like that the, the students were sitting around so much and, and things like music and things like gym and, and were being taken away. Uh, so they, they, they started their own, their, their own uh, private academy. Uh, it started off very, very small. And uh, they were looking at doing different th- activities uh, to try to, you know, combat the, the kids sitting around it. And one of the things, because both of their children, uh, both the guys' children uh, all play hockey and they all come from hockey environments and backgrounds. And what happened was they decided they were going to add a hockey piece to this whole thing. So that's when, uh, that's when I, I guess I kind of got involved in the whole scenario. And, uh, you know, what we started out with again was very small, but, uh, it was an open canvas. It was an, it was an absolute open canvas to, to do as much development, to break things down as simply uh, as possible. It had nothing to do with, uh, you know, any kind of system things. It had nothing to do with, uh, you know, well, these coaches are going to want you to, you know, to, to play this way. You got to make sure you understand that it was all fundamentals and, and, and details. And it was, it, it has been an absolute, it's, it's an absolute joy to go to the rink to work with those kids. And this is now uh, year four uh, that I've been working with them. It's, you know, it's, we go on the ice. I go on the ice with different age groups uh, weekly. And we, I, I theme things uh, with, with the development models in place. And, and what we do is we try to work on uh, different development uh, scenarios, different development situations. But everything has got a game element to it. And, and that's a big belief of mine. And we can, we can talk about that a little bit later in detail a little bit more, but um, I try to give them things that they can actually use in a game. I try to give them situations. I'm not interested in putting a hundred pylons on the ice. I've, I've learned a, I hate picking them all up at the end of practices, but B uh, you know, you're never going to go around a pylon 18 times, and then go to the net in a game. It, you know, it's a quick play, go to the net. It's, it's a, it's a quick move, go to the net. It's a, it's a quick bump, go, you know, this, everything is quick and, it, and, 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 and we want it to be efficient. So, you know, having a kid going around a, a you know, a tire and a figure eight pattern 17 times and then doing 12 toe drags and going to the net. Yeah. You know what, if, if, if you're standing in the, in the, in the seats, you know, looking at this sort of thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, that's a fantastic drill. What are we, what are we trying to accomplish and what are we actually getting out of it? besides being dizzy, you know, it's so uh, I was able to, to have a blank canvas and, and, and take, uh, I guess, my, my, my thoughts and, and my development and, and, uh, and apply it in a thousand different directions and, and kind of see what works and what doesn't and, and, you know, what, what things that the, the players really respond to, what things the players kind of look at me with, you know, they have got four heads on my shoulder. So it, it's been great. And, and there's been, a, you know, we've had some, uh, it's been very small, 
which is awesome because, you know, I'm not chasing 60 kids on the ice. I, you know, I, I, the groups are, you know, between somewhere between uh, 12 and, and 19 on the ice at a time. So there's lots of it. There's lots of time for proper correction. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in as soon as I see something needs to be corrected to correct it right away instead of letting it go. Uh, and again, that's time for another conversation, but, uh, it's, you know, I've, I've been able to have, like I said, a, a blank canvas on, on to try all these things. And, and I love going to the rink, uh, to be honest with you. Um, you can have a bad weekend where your team doesn't play very well and I can go to the rink on Monday morning and work with those kids and they all have smiles on their faces and everybody wants to work and everybody wants to try this and everybody, you know, the odd time somebody come back to the rink and says, coach, I tried this and it worked on the weekend. It, it rejuvenates your battery right away. All of a yeah. sudden you're fully charged again the way we go. So yeah. Anytime you can work in youth hockey or in a private setting or, or setting uh, such as that, it's really, uh, you know, it, it puts an extra jump in your step when you hear that a kid has actually, you know, made the adjustments and, and seen success with it. And uh, for you, you're, you had that opportunity to kind of run with it and apply those skills to that age group, uh, you know, similar in a similar fashion, I should say. You've been able to do that at Dalhousie, uh, working as a coach there. Uh, to talk about the experience of working with players at that level and, uh, you know, where they have many different ambitions compared to maybe some of the other kids you work with. Sure. Um, you know, it's funny because the hockey for the most part doesn't change level to level. It's, 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 it's still fundamentals. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I get to the, I can get to the rink and, and sometimes the, the, the older guys look at me and go, Hmm, you know, what, what are we about to do here? But once they see what we're trying to do out of it, uh, all of a sudden, you know, okay. Oh yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I can, you know, I can use this in a game. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, you know, away they go with as far as, you know, buying what I'm selling, if you will. But, um, you know, jumping on with Dalhousie with those guys, uh, the AUS, you know, I'm not sure how many people uh, listening on the podcast know, know about the AUS men's hockey league, but the AUS men's hockey league is, 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 you know, is, is professional hockey. You know, there's, uh, you know, you see teams coming into town and, and, you know, we, we trying to, you try to you coach against them and try to, you know, a scheme against them and things like that. I know these are big, strong hockey players that just have decided, you know, instead of pursuing my professional dream at the moment, I'm going to, I'm going to, to finish my education properly. So I, I've, I've, I've set myself up for, for, a, for a good plan after the game's over. So working with these guys, you know, it, first of all, it's, it's, it's really funny now working with this, with that age group, because most of them I worked with when they were all 14, um, you know, at, at Dalhousie, I, I you know, I, I can honestly say that um, one of our defensemen we just brought in last year uh, for this upcoming season, whenever it's going to get itself started, uh, Christian Huntley played, you know, in the Quebec major junior league for four years. Christian was my captain in major bandom you know, uh, nine years ago. Um, you know, I'm looking at a kid like uh, Campbell Pickard who played Bantam for me, uh, you know, way back when in, in those old Halifax days, played mid, played major midget for us at the Titans. Um, and, and you start seeing those guys, uh, you know, a guy like Duncan McIntyre who uh, played for me on the Nova Scotia Provincial Under-16 team. You know, he was uh, on all those teams through and all of a sudden, you know, Duncan's getting ready to you know, move on in the next phase of his life. You know, it's really fun working with those guys because they recognize now um, that you're in it for the right reasons. You're in it. You're in it to, to help them get better in any in any capacity you can you can help them with. And I've known them all, and I've had such good relationships with them all 
you know, you're, you, you know, their parents, you, you know, when you go to the games, you know, you see these people come and walking in you and you talk to them and, you know, geez, you know, it's, it's really funny seeing you guys all back together again. And, you know, it's, it, you know, he's getting ready to graduate with the, you know, his business administration and things. It's like, where did the time go? And, but it's, it hasn't changed other than the fact that, you know, some of the, some of the things you have to work on with the guys, you don't have to spend as much time on the little things you still have to spend time in the little things with them. You know, like, yeah. uh, you know, you're on the ice with guys and they're going up the ice and it's tick, tick, tick and ice is flying everywhere. And you guys are six foot four now and they're, they're strong as oxes and you still have to come over and say, Hey, you got to make sure when you're driving that middle lane, your stick is on the ice. You got to give that, you got to give that wide guy a target. If he wants to shoot that puck off your stick, you know, if that defender, you're going to try to take him and go to the net and clean that lane out for, you know, for the guy behind you, you, you stick has to be on the ice. You can't be, skating there with your stick on on your hips and just those little details we have to talk to the five-year-olds about you still have to talk to the 20-year-olds about too so it's it's uh, you know i it's again i'm very fortunate with with the with the bantam situation and 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 dalhousie university our dress rooms are right beside each other in the halifax forum so i come in in the morning and i get my skates out of the dress in one dressing room and i lock up and go to the other dressing room in the coach's office and throw them on and away we go and it's uh you know it's it's I absolutely love working with those guys and I absolutely love working at that level. It's, it's, you know, the, the big thing at that level is you got to make sure you know where you're standing on the ice. Cause uh, you know, it's it, when a 14 year old hits a crossbar, you, you can get out of the way when it, when a 22 year old hits a crossbar and he has spent four years in the Western hockey league, you better be all that out of the way or that you're not going to have time. You're going to eat one. So it's, 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 it's different in some respects, but it's the exact same in a lot of respects. For sure. Uh, you know, that league, uh, as someone who follows it and knows a lot of people playing there, uh, super competitive. And like you said, it's, it's almost at a professional level and you're seeing guys go on to professional hockey from that, uh, you know, university uh, pool as well. Uh, I liked how you talked about, you know, as much as you work on the fundamentals with the younger kids and, and these guys have developed and, and gone on to uh, play in junior leagues and things like that, you still have to talk about those fundamental aspects and I think that really is the reason why you know coaches coming through the system and things like that say take those experiences at the lower levels because even though it's not you know as glamorous as a junior or a university program you're, you're still learning what you need to learn and, and you can take it with you in these other positions and for you you've had experiences uh, you know at, at these levels and have been able to move on to something a little more you know higher and more recognized with Canada U17 program uh, you know, high performance within the province. Just talk about those experiences and, uh, you know, how you, what you've learned uh, working at those higher levels. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I, I've learned at those higher levels is, is make sure you've got a flash drive with you because you're going to want to steal as much stuff as you can. And, and, and it's, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, talking to my good buddy, John Greenwood, he went out the year before uh, I did to the, to the national under 17 program. And I remember, talking to him on a nightly basis when he was out there and it was just I was a little kid in a candy store I couldn't wait to talk to you what who did you talk to today John what'd you do today John who what did you, what practices you do you know when you get your stuff make sure and he was you know flipping you know practice plans back and all kinds of stuff like that so when I got my opportunity to go the following year uh you know it was like I was a little kid in a candy store and, uh, what they do with the coaches is they'll bring you out for a week in June uh, to do a coaches clinic first and so, you know, little old me sitting, you know, you get on the airplane, you go out to Calgary, you know, you're looking around and, 
you know, you're in this room, you're, you're walking to Hockey Canada and the, the World Junior plates are all over the place and, and, you know, the World Junior trophies are all over the place and the, you're looking at, you know, pictures and jerseys and it's Hockey Canada, everything, and you're just like, uh, you're the you're the mecca okay all right now 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 this is this is real all of a sudden and for the first hour and a half you just walk around with your mouth open because it's just the facility they have out at can at uh, can sport in, in calgary at the olympic park is just unbelievable um the second thing i noticed is you're treated so well like i like you know again I could have been, uh, you know, uh, Andre Lafave from the from the Moncton Wildcats, or I could have been Andre Lafave from the Washington Capitals. Out there, you're Andre Lafave, and uh, you know, I can remember sitting down in my first uh, coaching breakout session, and Barry Trotz, you know, was was going through some things that he was doing, and, and you're just, you know, I'm sitting there, and it's like, first of all, I'm in awe that I'm sitting there at the table with these guys. Second of all he's going over things and you're just, I mean, all, you know, listening to what he's talking about. So, you know, you're, I'm trying to soak as much of it in and, you know, you're, you're sitting there and, and I remember after about 15, 20 minutes, he was talking about power play stuff. And he, he you know, the power play he was talking about was having four right shots on the ice with a left-handed shot. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's unbelievable. Like that's what they get and they get how the hell am I going to do this with my little teams? I get back to Nova Scotia. Like, like I don't even know half the time if I've got right, like, if we have enough right-handed shots, you know, to have, to have you know, good D pairs. And uh, he, I remember he, he was going through it and going through this guy's over here and he's going to take the bumper and he's going to move. And remember, I have five of the best players in the world I'm able to do this with. So you may not be able to do this with your team, but take away from this, you know, the habit and detail, but having that bumper uh, always facing the puck and always being in a shooting position and, and you know, his feet are always in the right spot. And I remember thinking, wow, like just this is everything I've ever wanted to hear somebody say, because this is, you know, when you talk to kids, this is the same things I'm telling the kids that are, that are playing for us right now. So, uh, you know, getting out there and having that experience with the coaches clinic and then, you know, flying back out there, you know, a month, month and a half later and going through the actual camp. And, um, you know, one of the funniest things I remember, okay, okay, you're, you're, you're going to be one of the team leads. You're one of the assistant coaches. Uh, everybody's going out to the airport. Uh, we're going to pick up all the kids. They're all flying in. Uh, here's your bag. You're going to be taking their, their, their iPads and phones and here's your bag and you're going to be taking their laptops. Oh, Okay. All right. So, uh, all right. That's good. And, uh, oh yeah, by the way, here's your razor, go to the bathroom, go shave. Okay. All right. So, uh, that's how we're doing it here. Good. So, you know, off to the bathroom to shave and, you know, throw my team Canada hoodie on or uh, golf shirt on and away we go to the airport and, you know, these kids are coming off and they, everybody's got the same name tag, uh, conviction on. So, you know, you have your hockey Canada stuff all over the place and, you know, introduce you. Hi, my name's Andre Lefebvre and, you know, welcome to Calgary. Can't wait to have you. Uh, iPads and phones there, computer here. The kids just kind of looking at you going, what? It's like, yeah, we're, we're in the big time now. So, you know, it starts right off the wheel with, 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 you know, setting the tone for how it's going to be for the week. And then they all come in and, and sit in the big, uh, they call it the championship hall where, where all the trophies are and, and everything, all the, the, the pictures are and the teams that have won over the years, all their team photos are the places like it, it's too hard. It's almost, it's almost overwhelming when you walk in because there's just so much in there. Like it just, wow. Remember that? I remember that game, you know, Anthony Carter scored in overtime, you know, there's that world championship team. Like just, there's a thousand of those things to look at in there. So, um, the kids are all in there and they're all doing the same thing. And, you know, Tom Rennie gets up and he starts speaking to them all. And, 
you know, the kids are listening, but you can tell they're, they're, they're looking around the whole time doing the same thing. And, I, and I'm having a hard time not doing the same thing the kids are doing. So, I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable experience. And then you get to start, you know, working with, with these, with the other coaches from around, uh, around Canada. Um, you know, my head coach uh, for the, for the, I guess the, the side that we were on was a gentleman by the name of Jill Bouchard. And Jill is uh, an assistant coach of Syracuse in the American Hockey League now. And Jill and I have become great, great friends uh, because Jill, Jill would always look at me because I can speak French. So Jill, Jill's French or his English was, it was okay. He's always something he wants to work on, but he always will look at me and he always say, uh, uh, is that, is that right in English? Am I saying that right in English? And I'd always tell him, yeah, yeah, you're fine. That sort of thing. And, uh, and we just developed a relationship there. And we, you know, we, we, to be honest with you, Jill's got the personality of a, of a 12 year old. He's a big kid. So 90% of the time we'd be, we'd be looking at each other and, and we'd, we'd start laughing about something. So we became friends right away. Um, guys like uh, Spiros and Astis, I, I learned a lot from Spiros. Spiros was, at the time was, uh, was, was coaching the University of Lethbridge and things like that. Um, you know, Dylan Hunter in London, Ontario, BJ Adams in, in Erie. Uh, you know, Luke Pierce was, was with Kootenai in the Western League uh, at the time. Uh, you know, th- those guys, you, you start hearing some, you know, the stories they're talking about and, and how they've handled things. And, and it was, uh, you know, the big thing I took from it is, is, you know, have some fun, listen, but don't be somebody you're not, don't try to be something that you're not. So I, you know, I consider myself somebody who loves to go to the hockey rink and, and loves to have fun while they're at the hockey rink. I didn't change. I don't change that. I, I didn't change it once. I, you know, if there was an opportunity to, to have a little bit of fun and, and goof around a little bit and, and keep the kids light and, and I would do that. Um, one of the team builders we had, uh, you know, while we were, we'd stay, there'd be a lot of standing around waiting for things like shuttle buses, uh, stay, you're standing around, you're waiting around to get in the cafeteria or waiting around for this. So we would always play a, a little game while we were waiting around. And one of them we were doing was, uh, we were playing rock, paper, scissors. So of course I win the whole thing, not meaning to, but you know, just, just the way it kind of worked itself out. So for the rest of the week, you know, I, I had, uh, one of the kids give me a pair of his dinky sunglasses and I walked around as the rock, paper, scissors world champion, you know, it just, and, and we had a lot of fun doing stuff like that. And, 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 and that was the, the thing I took from it is, you know, it was a fantastic hockey experience. My God, we had a lot of fun doing it. So, and, and, you know, the hockey Nova Scotia stuff, very, very similar experiences. You know, it was, uh, you know, uh, to a lesser degree, you didn't ha- you weren't, you know, walking into these ridiculous halls, but you know, you're still getting a chance to work with, with, with guys that you, that you consider your friends and, and guys that are very good hockey people, you know, Johnny Greenwood, uh, Jim Midgley, Troy Ryan, you know, that we, we've, we've been very fortunate in this province to, to have a lot of very, very good coaches. And I think Atlanta Canada as well, I think there's a lot of good coaches and, and, you know, to be able to work with guys like that and then learn and take a piece from here and take a piece from there and apply it to what you do. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a testament to the guys we have here. Yeah. And even building on that and before we move into some listener questions, uh, you said some great coaches have been a part of uh, Hockey Nova Scotia. You know, Jim Midgley was around and, and Troy Ryan and those type of people. Uh, you've been involved in the game there for quite some time. Just talk about the state of hockey in Nova Scotia and kind of how it's grown uh, since you started coaching, yeah, it's uh, man. You talk what what a difference when I when I came into to how things were were run to to how things are run now. Um, when I came into the fold working with Hockey Nova Scotia it was probably in and around ten years ago. I can't remember, remember exactly what how long it's been, but it's in that ballpark. And uh, when I came involved, you know, I was a junior. I was, I was a a young coach. 
Um, I wanted to get involved. I, you know, I always liked to, you know, working with the, the high end players and things like that. And I was told, you know, you should, you should apply and you should work with this. So the first staff I worked with was, um, the 97 born age group. Uh, that would have been, uh, like Nick Welsh, uh, guys like that. Um, it was with the under 14 group. And, and I remember learning a lot, you know, not only of, of, uh, you know, how these players, you know, where their mindsets were when they came to camps like this. But I was in, I was in a situation where I was very close to the, to the player group that year. I, I wasn't, I wasn't on the coaching staff yet. I was only a team lead. And I remember, you know, one of my, one of my jobs as a team lead was to, you know, make sure, you know, the kids needed anything. They need to talk to somebody, somebody get hurt, say, you know, broke a state, whatever the case may be, you know, I was with them all the time. And uh, you start developing your relationships with these kids. And, and that's one of the big things I, I took away from that camp was not only, you know, establishing your relationships with these kids, but not being afraid to, you know, to coach, not being, you know, I'm just not there to, to put a hockey Nova Scotia hoodie on and be a babysitter. Like I want to be there and I want to get involved. And I'll roll my sleeves up and coach. And I remember, you know, having this conversation with our director of operations at the time for the under 14s, a man by the name of Clary uh, Melanson from Picto. And Clary and I, we become fantastic, fantastic friends. Uh, his wife bakes cupcakes every year that we have to drive to Glasgow to get. Um, Clary, you know, I remember Clary would always tell me, don't, you know, during the, the inter-squad games, don't coach. What? What are you talking about? Don't coach. Well, you know, don't tell them. I'm, just, I'm not going to tell them a system. Like, what's a good telling them a one, two, two here like this? He said, but I got I got to correct. If I've seen something on the ice, I got to correct. And I remember Clary and I would have this conversation. And by the end of it, yeah, you know what? Correct. Yeah, you're, you just, yeah, all right. You know what? Go with it. You, you know what to coach and whatnot. Yeah, I said, okay. And starting to, to develop the trust between everybody. Um, you know, we had some fantastic coaches at the time that were, were we'll say, the, the older group of coaches when we came in, guys like uh, Kevin Mitchell, um, Bill Short, uh, you know, those, those older will kind of stay established guys, uh, you know, Tommy McKetton, the late Tommy McKetton was, you know, he was involved in a lot of those programs as well. And, you know, there was guys from, you know, we got some great leadership from those guys on, on how to, you know, how to build teams for short-term events, how to conduct your camps properly, you know, all the, all the various things that went along with it, uh, you know, that, that had nothing to do with hockey, you know, uh, situations where we could have, uh, we used to call them Friday night lights because we would go to, um, uh, St. of X every year to conduct the camps on, on the campus of the university. And, uh, on Friday nights, it'd be, you know, sweltering hot the end of June or July. And it was, you know, we'd, we'd have situations where we'd have, you know, tug of war competitions and who could, you know, who could throw a football the farthest and, you know, do we do all these games and things like that. And at the end of it, we would do a, uh, what we told the kids was a, a mental skills session. But in reality, what we were doing was we had uh, all the coaches on, on top of the roof of the, of the football stadium uh, stands. We bring the kids into a corner and we would absolutely soak them with water because it was, you know, 35, 38 degrees outside and the kids were, you know, they'd be sweltering and dying. So, you know, we'd, we'd have a giant balloon, a water balloon fight with the kids and just things like that, where the kids would have such a fantastic experience. It, it almost got to the point where, uh, it was better or it was looked at throughout the province as, as, you know, kids were trying to make the team, don't get me wrong, but you really wanted to get to Andy Ganesh for the camp because the camp, the camp is where the development was and where the learning was and things like that. So, you know, moving through that system and, you know, going from a, you know, a, a, a support role 
into the, the main coaching role and, and, you know, starting to take the, the group of kids. Uh, my first, first group that I had the under 14 program, um, that would have been the 2001 born kids. Uh, uh, Justin Barron was on that team and, you know, uh, we had, it was a real good group. And, uh, you know, with those kids there, uh, you know, you got to, you got to see, okay, you know, this is what works and this is what doesn't, this is what, how, this is how, you know, when you're picking one of these teams, you know, are, are we picking uh, the best team or are we picking, you know, a, a, for, for a showcase event where we're trying to showcase the kids off to the next level. You know, you always had that conversation, things like that. So learning how to get involved and learning how to put these things together, learning how to run the camp properly, learning how, you know, to get away from getting a, a group of, you know, 70 kids up there, uh, and teaching them the system that you want them to play versus getting them up there and, and teaching them uh, habits and details that they can apply to any system and, and, and kind of changing how we, we, we started attacking things like that. And then, of course, you know, being able to watch them grow through it, uh, you know, jumping onto the, the under 15 team. I, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate to take the Gatorade uh, Challenge. The Quebec Major Junior League has the Gatorade Challenge. Uh, before the draft and, and the five teams from Atlantic Canada and the two from Quebec, uh, or I should say the six teams, I should say, um, go to Blainville. I've been, I've been the head coach of that team twice and been assistant to, on, on another occasion. And, it, and to see the kids go through the system and then get to that situation where it's, it's a whole different animal again, because, you know, you've got kids that are trying to play hard. They're trying to win with the team, but the element of, well, I have to get drafted and I have to show myself properly that creeps into it. So that, that's a, that's a whole different animal. Again, you know, you're, you're walking down the, the hallways in Blainville to your dressing room and you're kicking agents out of, out of the hallway. They're trying to talk to your guys or you get off the bus uh, after driving there and there's an agent waiting for one of your guys with, with a dozen sticks and, you know, there, there's GMs and coaches and scouts and they, they're everywhere. And so trying to keep their heads on straight when you're doing all that stuff, trying to, you know, a kid that's made the team for the first time, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Blaineville, that, that rink or not, uh, where they are to play, but it's Disneyland for the kids when they get there, especially kids that come from a small town. You know, you walk in, there's there's uh, a surface that has 5,000 seats. There's another full-size surface, practice surface right beside it. There's four uh, mini ice surfaces uh, down the backside. There's about 60 dressing rooms in there. There's a, a, a state-of-the-art uh, off-ice training gym upstairs that you'll routinely see you know, nine or 10 NHL guys working out as you're getting off the bus and going in. Uh, there's a pro hockey life in their store. There's, I mean, it's just, like I said, there's, there's, there's off ice, uh, synthetic ice for, you know, working on shooting. There's a thousand things in there and they get, you have to let the kids get off the bus and walk around for the first hour. Or they're not going to listen to you. I never, you know, the first time I remember I went up there and I walked around for the hour. So knowing things like that, when you get off the bus after the, 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 the 15 hours, okay, I got to let these kids soak this all in a little bit. I can't be, you know, you know, uh, Mr. You know, hard ass. And then we got to go in the room. We got to get ready. You know, you got to let them, you have to let them enjoy the experience a little bit. So yeah. just seeing things like that and seeing how that's kind of unfolded and, and how to attack those situations that, you know, that that's, again, it's, it's, it's great. It's fun. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, without sounding like that guy, it, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if there's any experiences that beat those kind of experiences. There really isn't. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, uh, it seems like it's all been very positive and uh, I'm sure the players have felt the same way. Yeah. Uh, as we transition into listener questions, uh, there's a few I want to throw at you here. First of all, as a head coach and as an assistant coach in the past, uh, from your experiences, 
How do the relationships with players vary in those positions, if at all? Well, I think it, there's a certain uh, there is a certain difference between how you how you uh, how you I won't say interact with the player, but um, you have to be more of a fa- you have to be more of a father figure in the authoritarian sense uh, when you're a head coach. Uh, you have to be the guy that makes the ultimate decision. You have to be ready to make that ultimate decision, and, and there can't be any uh, you know hesitation things like that. With the assistant coach, you know you're there to to provide you know not only support for your head coach, but you're there to provide support for the player. And, you know, it's a different relationship. I, I, you know, as a head coach, I want though my guys to go to the assistant coach if they have an issue. I want them to be able to talk to them about everything. If, you know, if they need to talk to me, then, you know, absolutely. I've got no problem with that either by all means, but you know, that's the assistant coach is, is kind of like, you know, you, you can tell your brother that you, you, you wrecked mom and dad's car. You can't tell mom and dad's wrecked the car. You know what I mean? So you got you got you got to have you got to have a bit of that buffer zone that uh, that 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 you know the players are comfortable in their own skin. Um, being the head coach, you know, at the Bantam level, it's you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of teaching. Uh, I have two fantastic assistants at the moment. They're they're young and they're they're starting their path on the coaching. So you know I I give them all kinds of, of flexibility to to run as much or as little as they want. Um, both of them are going to be fantastic coaches. They ask me a ton of questions and the kids love them. Uh, I'm a big believer on having uh, a younger guy on staff, especially one that's just stopped playing because they can identify with them a little bit. You know, it's, they're not going to identify with me and in, in my playing stuff. You know, I, A, I didn't play that high, less, high level as those two guys and B, and all these kids weren't even a thought in their parents' mind when, when I was playing. So it's, you know, to have somebody like that that they have a connection with, it's big. Now, from the from the conversely, from the other side of things, being an assistant coach at Dalhousie, I absolutely love that role, and 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 value it because of, um, you know, I feel comfortable enough in my skin, hockey wise, that if somebody's got a hockey problem, I can I can talk to them with it. Now, you know, we want to make sure everybody's on the same page as far as you know, system wise, what everybody's doing, but, uh, you know skill the skill development the, the little critical pieces the, the the habits and details you know i'm, I'm very comfortable in, in, in making a correction but i'm able to make uh i'm able to make a correction with without we used to call it i used to call it corrective confidence and uh you know i hate i hate using it because it is a buzz it is a buzzword but uh you know we want to be able to, to to make that correction, but we don't want the kid to lose any of the confidence because we made the correction. You know, I don't want a kid to feel terrible because, you know, I made a correction. So, uh, you know, to be able to, to establish that relationship and know the kid, the kids that they know you're there to help them. You're there to do whatever you can to help them become a better player and a better person. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, again, I absolutely love it. I really do. Yeah, it's uh, I've worked in maybe an assistant coaching role or or some video coaching, different things like that. And uh, there definitely is a little bit of a difference than, say, the relationship with the head coach. You know, the guys are asking you different types of questions. You're maybe being, uh, you know, on the inside, some jokes that maybe you don't make it to the top, things like that. But, uh, you know, when the coaching staff is working together and communicating well, uh, those players um, you know, they'll open up more and things like that. And uh, it's good to understand the relationships and also uh, not limit the relationships that could potent- you could potentially have with players and things like that. So great answer to that listener question. Uh, the next one is uh, more so on the scouting side. For you, is there one thing that you look for as a scout 
maybe just a trait in general uh, without being too specific that you look for? And then uh, how much do you think size is a factor? Uh, you know, maybe how it's kind of diminished a little bit uh, here recently. Sure. So uh, for the fir- for the first part of the question, if there, there's something I look for in particular, um, you know, I think as a scout, you're looking at, you know, there's obviously your, your hockey traits, uh, your, your skating, your hockey sense, things like that. Um, when it comes to hockey sense, uh, from the one piece I really look for within the hockey sense umbrella, we'll say, is I, I look to see how well a player plays without the puck. Uh, you know, whether they're, they're creating space for their, their, their teammates, whether they're jumping into lanes, whether they're, uh, you know, even, even things like throwing a little, uh, a little pick in the, on, on a defenseman when you're attacking them, whether they're uh, uh, heading to the net with their stick on, just, just those little things I'm looking to see. Uh, but I'll tell you, if there is one, to be more of a broad scope, if there's one thing I'm really looking for when I want to, when I go see a player, I want to see his passion for the game of hockey. Um, you know, I want to see who that guy is that when there's two minutes to go in a game, there's no hesitation to block that shot. Uh, you know, I want to see a guy who's, uh, you know, he's always ready on the bench. He's always excited to play a goal gets scored. He's the first guy to go over and and give his buddy his big hug. All those, there's a lot of kids in in, in Atlantic Canada. Well, you know, we can say it nationally. There's a lot of kids in Canada right now that are extremely extremely skilled hockey players and you know they can do things with the puck you know now that i didn't even know kids could do with the puck to be perfectly honest with you i've seen more of these uh you see these goals on the uh, when you watch the highlights at night where you know a kid you know a player in the nhl get the puck behind the net put it on a stick do the lacrosse style goal put it in the top corner and everybody kind of looks at each other and goes what just happened and then i'll go on the ice with with you know, 12, 13 year old kids and, and they're doing it every five seconds. It's like, if I tried to do that, I dislocate my hip. Like it just, it, these kids are so skilled. Now the difference I see within all these skilled, excellent hockey players now is who wants it more than the other one. And that, and that's where that passion element comes into play. Like, uh, you know, who's, who's going to the rink and dying to get to the rink versus who's going to the rink because mom and dad said they had to go to the rink that day. Uh, you know, who's, uh, I saw it, it was really prevalent to me this uh, off season because of how different things were with, with, the, with the COVID and um, how we had to start early with the, you know, 10 players on the ice and, and, you, and there was no, we had to really section things off and, and we had to keep in mind the distancing and how it ramped up to 15 and then 20 and how you adjusted your, your development plans and skill and skill practices within these parameters you know, there were, and I'm sure this happened all over Canada, but there, I saw a ton of kids this year go on the ice way too much. I was on the ice with kids this year. Um, you know, I'd be on the ice at London at noon with, with, with a group of, you know, 14, 15 kids. And, uh, I'd be explaining something on the board, uh, on, on, on what the, what the, the skill drill was. And then we'd be getting ready to, I'd be getting ready to go demo. And, uh, I look over and, you know, two or three of them be yawning. And like yawning, like, what are they all up, up all night playing video games or something? Oh no, this is my this is my third session of the day. Third session of the day, what you, like it's noon. So you know, I, I saw that, and you know, you start seeing as the kids get older. If I, you know, take the coaching development hat off and put the scouting hat on, you start seeing that come to fruition as you know because 
not only are the kids burnt out, but I see it with their level of play and their level of passion within the play. Uh, you know, you can see it real quick on a, on a back check. If somebody's going to just tear themselves apart to get back and, 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 and disrupt the play uh, versus a kid that's going to get back. And well, I had my guy. So, you know, you, you start seeing that. So I, I would say right now, the biggest thing, especially, and, and I'll say within the last four or five years, it's, it's passion. You know, uh, the kid that loves it, it's it, the kid that eats and sleeps and breathes it. That, those, those are the guys ultimately that are going to push themselves to be better. They're going to, they, they may not have the, the skill level that, that some of them have right now, but they're going to be the ones that are going to invest in themselves to get better and push themselves to get better. And, and not only push themselves to get better at the next level, but levels moving forward. And, and everybody hears these stories. Of, oh, geez, you know, where did this guy come from? Or, oh, geez, you know, he's a late bloomer. Uh, you know, this, this kid, you know, you look at a kid like that and, and look at his passion. Like I, 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 I see it in the summertime when I work with some of the professional guys. Um, you know, there's all kinds of the junior guys right now that, that we're on. It's kind of a, it's kind of a mixed group that I, I go on with um, Jill and Daryl Plandowski. And uh, those guys would go on the ice and, and there's a ton of skill on the ice, all kinds of skill, like, you know, a couple of NHL draft picks. And then there's three or four pro guys and they're on the ice with them in the work. But, you know, the pro guys, they, you know, they've got all kinds of skill. Don't get me wrong, but their individual skills, the way that the, the young ones can, can play and do things with the pucks, the, you know, those guys, that, that's not the, the environment they came from, but they have that passion element that the, that the younger ones may not have. And they're willing to, you know, they'll, I, I won't, I'll leave the names out, but they're, you know, the, the, all kinds of them come up to me at the end of these practices where we'll, we'll have a little scrimmage or a three on three or things like that. And instead of doing that here, come down the other end, I, I, I got to work on this skill. And I remember one of them said it to me one time, he, you know, he's been playing professional hockey now for God, 10, 12 years. And I remember he said it to me and I went, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, look down there. I said, yeah. He goes, one of those little buggers is going to take my job if I don't figure out how to do this. I went, make, you, you make a good point. So we went down and worked on that for 20. And after every practice, they would all go play and he would go down the other end and, and we'd work on these little things. So um, you could tell, you know, the passion, it's, it's, that's where you see the separation point with the real high level players. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. And uh, e even more so the passion, like the, you know, the awareness that there's parts of their game that they need to work on or put extra effort in. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you fuse that all together, it uh, really does, uh, you know, translate into success on and off the ice. Uh, the last listener question I want to ask you here, uh, you know, as someone that got into scouting fairly early, uh, what is the best way for a young person to get into scouting? Uh, maybe even someone that wasn't a player beforehand. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I've, I've worked with a couple younger guys in the last few years and, uh, and, and there's a real good program out there now that, uh, that ISS is running with that, that, that scout mentorship, uh, program. And it, it, the big thing, you know, it, it teaches, it teaches the younger scouts that are younger player, people that want to become scouts, whether they're male, female, doesn't in my books, you know, black, right, you know, purple, green, orange, male, female dog. You know what you're talking about. You know what you're talking about. And if you're willing to put the effort into to to learn to look for these things, then uh, you know it's it's it doesn't matter anymore. So 
this program allows players or players, the, the scout young people that want to be scouts, it allows them to kind of learn the pieces that go along with it. Now the scouting to me, it's, it's a few, it's, it's, it's a personal feel thing. I've always felt like that with it. And it's, and, and I have to be very careful. I say that and clarify. It's not, I think I know what I'm talking about. It's not, I think my opinion is better than your opinion or her opinion or anybody else's. It's, this is what I see. This is what I see. These are the things I'm looking for. And these are the things I'm seeing this player doing now, you know, people have to be willing to put in the work. You know, if, if you want to go watch a player once and make a report on that and that player, and that's the end of it, you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in real quick because you, you know, you're, you're not, you're not doing the work. So, you know, a, a, a program like ISS is teaching people how to fill out game reports properly, how to become familiar with RankNet, uh, the software that, that most everybody uses. Um, but inevitably you have to be willing to go to the rinks and you have to be willing to drink a lot of bad coffee and put on long underwear and, and, and the whole 10 yards. And, and sometimes, you know, your, your significant other isn't going to be very happy with you. Or sometimes, you know, you're going to miss uh, your little boy or little girl's hockey game. But uh, you know, that's, those, those are the things that you, that you have to understand going into it. Uh, having a very understanding partner, uh, somebody who knows how uh, strongly you feel and how much you love doing what you do is, uh, I would say it's almost a requirement <laughs> because yeah. if you don't, it's, uh, you know, you can make, you can make things pretty hard on yourself. Uh, so, you know, uh, but, but again, um, one of the things I see a lot of people do and a lot of people, especially young people nowadays, um, they, they, they contact people they reach out uh this age now where we live is a lot different from when i grew up uh, you know i i would like to consider myself very tech savvy in the whole 10 yards but in reality i'm on the other side now looking at everybody who knows exactly what they're doing with all this stuff and half the time i you know i just shake my head at it uh you know people coming up in this day and age have the ability to uh be connected so easily uh and and so somebody looking to get involved you know, reaching out, just, you know, taking a shot in the dark and saying, Hey, listen, you know, I'd love to get into scouting. I'd love to get into this. I'd love to get into that. I, I one thing I've learned throughout this whole, you know, my time in hockey and, and being around as long as I have been with this stuff is 99% of the people involved in hockey love to help new people get involved in hockey and they're willing to take the time and they're willing to, to, to help people out. Um, you know, some people there's, there's, you might catch them at a time when, when they're busy and they're doing things, but you know, they're going to get back in touch with you. Um, and, and they're willing to, they're willing to, to help out. And, and so reaching out, not being afraid to reach out, things like that. Um, you know, and then, and then again, taking, taking advantage of, of opportunities that are presented to you. It's, you know, you can look at it a thousand different ways and especially in Atlantic Canada, it's not as easy for us. Uh, as it is across the country to, to have as many opportunities, but uh, I'm a big believer on uh, the game will take you where you want to go with it. So, Definitely. you know, if, if you're willing to push your, you know, to, to do these things, you're willing to push and, and lay it on the line and, and kind of see what happens with it, you know, nine times out of 10, it's going to work out pretty well for you. So. Yeah. Great point. And I, I like how you talk about, uh, you know, people in hockey are always willing to help and extend a helping hand and, 
my friends at My Hockey Resource think the same way. Their community on Discord, which basically works as a sounding board for different coaches to talk about different topics, uh, game tactics, even books, things like that, that they like to learn. So uh, for people who are looking to enter the game, be sure to check out My Hockey Resource on Twitter and Instagram for more information. Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that because I just uh, I, I actually was just looking at that the other day when I was uh, when I was I was listening to some other things on the podcast. Um, the other, the last thing too is is there, you know, it seems like it, and it's really taken off to me in the last three or four years, uh, especially you will say even the last two years. Uh, the hockey world's become so connected now. Um, you know, I've been using the Coach Them platform to to do all my practice plans for a few years now and. You know, I, once we first, we were first told about it from, uh, I think Troy Ryan came back from one of his stints with the, with the Olympic, uh, with the women's team, uh, came back and told everybody about it and said, you know, you know, this is the one to be on. This is, this is where you're seeing all this stuff. It's great. And more recently, uh, you had a gentleman on your show, uh, Mitch Aguirre and Mitch put out that, uh, he put an email out or uh, I think it was even, it was a, it was a Twitter post actually yeah. where it all kind of started about the coaches, uh, you know, the connection with everybody jumping on board and sharing drills. And it's funny because uh, he put out another email about a week ago talking about, uh, you know, the overwhelming response and this and that. And, uh, you know, listen, make sure if you don't want your phone to do cartwheels every five minutes, you know, make sure you turn this option off where you're not getting notification. And it was funny because I was trying to figure out every meeting I've been in, every hockey thing I've done, everywhere I've gone in the last, you know, two weeks, my phone is on cartwheels. And I think I've probably got another 350 drills out of it uh, through this whole platform and, and things like that nowadays where it connects, you know, we, we have such a big country, but it, it, you know, it makes things so small to connect with everybody. Uh, you know, that has been, it blows me away. It really, really does. And then, you know, good on Mitch to recognize to set something like this up and, and good on the, the, the six or 700 people that jumped on board to be a part of it. Yeah, Mitch, uh, when we had that conversation, he, he talked about how his goal was to hopefully get 25 people to uh, to be able to keep it running for the winter. And yeah. Uh, yeah, over 300 now. He's definitely been successful with that. But like you said, oh, a, great, crazy. a great resource uh, and a place to learn. And, um, you know, people also learn, like I said, from books, articles, different things like that. Uh, yeah. For you personally, outside of the connections, what are uh, some things that you like to reference for new ideas? Well, I tell you, the new the new ideas like like I'm a big uh, I'm a big believer on uh, the the social media can be such a positive thing if if it's handled right. And I'll tell you, I, I you know at least once or twice a day, uh, I go I go drill fishing, and uh, whether or not I'm I'm taking something from the hockey site or I'm taking something from uh, you know various private entities that are around. Uh, you know, people posting videos and things like that on not only Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and things, uh, you know, I, I'm a big, big believer on taking those, taking, having a look at those, understanding uh, what, what people are doing, why they're doing it, where we can apply it to a game situation. And then, uh, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, adding to, to the stuff that I already do. Um, for me, you know, I, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of, a lot of very good coaches. Like I said earlier, uh, one guy I, I worked with a couple summers ago, uh, Sebastian Bordelot in uh, out of Montreal. Uh, his, his son Thomas at the University of Michigan now is probably going to be uh, probably going to have a nice long NHL career ahead of him. But uh, Sebastian came down for a camp, and 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 it, and it blew my socks off because you know it, it it he was a guy that that I you know I'd followed on on social media, but 
to get him down here and, and, and work with him at the camp and see how he did things, how, how he, how he, you know, how he delivered his presentation to the players on the ice, um, how he used his resources, what he used, how he connected with them. And, and then with the things that he was doing with them and how, how much they made sense. Uh, you look at a guy like that, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to take as much stuff from him as possible. Um, books wise, uh, literature, things like that. I am uh, in the middle of reading Daryl Belfry's book. Uh, fantastic things that, that, that he's put down there. Um, Legacy, the All Blacks uh, story on leadership and, and, and holding people accountable and creating a culture. That to me, you know, I'm a big, big believer in, in creating the culture and, and creating an environment of, of success, uh, whether it's successful in sports or successful in life. Uh, you know, having reading that book, that, that was one of those, those books that, that kind of, you know, really, you know, shook me a little bit when I read it because there were so many things that you look back and so many little things that you take for granted that you do on a daily basis. And if you just changed it just a little bit, uh, you know, that, that you could, you could get that much better uh, performance from an athlete, things like that. Um, I'm a big hockey geek. So I, I read all kinds of things, everything from Pat Burns's book to Scotty Bowman's book. Uh, one of my favorite books all time was uh, Ken Dryden's original book, the game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, with my upbringing and background, um, I never had a choice in being anything but a Montreal Canadiens fan. So I, I really enjoyed that book, especially, uh, you know, I had a lot of family growing up when I was little in Montreal. So we were in Montreal a lot. And I, you know, I went to, I went to a fair share of games and uh, saw that environment as a kid, and, you know, to, to see, you know, to read about things like that. And, and then it's just, you know, um, again, just, just, taking as much as I can from as, as many different resources and as many different people as I can. Yeah. So like the, the thing about that question is there's no right answer. There's so no. many different outlets and uh, you can list a hundred things and then you think of, you know, 101 after that. So, well, and I'll tell, and I will tell you this, I, you know, I have done this for a long time and uh, I don't pretend I know everything about it. I don't want, I don't want, I, I'm not sure I'll ever know anything, everything as much as I want to know about it, but I'll tell you the day you stop learning and taking different pieces of the stuff uh, that that's, you know, that to me is, is okay. That's when you take, you take your step away and you take your break from it because you know, you can get something anywhere, anytime from anybody. And uh, you know, just, just, you know, assuming like sometimes I've been in this situation before where I've been at camps and I've been in clinics and things like that. And, you know, you're standing there with the guy and he's like, geez, you know, this is all about what he did. And this is all about what he thought. And this is all about what he thinks. And there's no room for anything else. I'm thinking like, geez, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. So, you know, the, the day, you know, just, just going to see how somebody talks to the novice kids when I, when I'm bringing my older guy to his hockey and, and seeing how somebody delivers, uh, you know, uh, the presentation on the ice and how, how they talk to kids and what they're doing you can always add or, or, you know, to what you're doing with, with, with good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, moving into our final questions here, uh, you've mentioned a lot of people that have helped you along the way and, and taught you different things uh, in that mentor role. Uh, maybe once again, just talk about uh, a couple of your mentors who have helped you and some of the lessons that they've taught you. Sure. Um, you know, I, I talked extensively about my buddy, my buddy, Kirk Tomlinson, you know, Kirk, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame, it's a shame not uh, that the 
Kirk's, Kirk's escapades have been taken off of YouTube because uh, they were pretty interesting to watch way back when. Uh, he has some ridiculous stories um, playing the American Hockey League in the late 80s. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, a guy like Kirk, uh, again, uh, fantastic person on and off the ice. I uh, was fortunate to work under Trevor Seinberg for a little bit. Uh, you know, Trevor is, uh, if anybody, if, if you've ever met Trevor, you, like Trevor's Trevor. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a man uh, command so much respect from his players uh, like Trevor. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, he just is, uh, a lot of people can say a lot of things about Trevor. Trevor, to me, Trevor's always treated me like a, like a you know, uh, like gold. So, you know, having a guy like that to look up to. Um, more recently, I uh, got to work, you know, I, I worked a lot with, uh, you know, the scouting world, uh, a man by the name of Richie Tebow, who is our director of hockey operations or basically our GM in, in, in Moncton now. Uh, to see, uh, I've learned a lot from Richie, you know, the scouting piece of it aside, seeing how, Richie can put a team together and put a deal together and, and seeing how he approaches things uh, methodically and, and, and from a, you know, from almost from a, from a technician standpoint, uh, instead of, instead of just going with your gut instincts and things like that, looking at all the angles and making sure that, you know, he always gets the, the, the better end of the deal because he's done his homework properly, but you know, he's always put in the work to, to get his homework done properly too. And, seeing how, you know, how he conducts those situations and, and, and builds teams and things like that. I think a lot from there. Uh, we're, you know, obviously working with Chris Donnelly at Dow, you know, Don's, he's taught me a ton of, of, of stuff of, as far as, uh, you know, how to uh, manage the university player uh, properly. Uh, Don's, he was also an assistant coach in the Quebec Major Junior League for, you know, 15 years. Uh, talked a lot about him uh, in, the, in those roles and those situations and how he handled things. Uh, one of my goals is, has always been to, to become a, a coach in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I've been close a couple times, but uh, it, has, it, hasn't, it hasn't come around quite yet. So that's, that's something I've always, uh, I've always wanted to be a part of, and, and that, that hasn't changed at all uh, for things I want to do forward. So having a guy like Chris to, to, to bounce things off of and talk about situations has been, been awesome. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, and then, you know, more and more recently again, uh, you know, developing my friendship with, with my buddy, Joel in, in down in Syracuse, you know, Joel, uh, you know, took his, took Ruin around into the Memorial cup final and, you know, lost in overtime to that good London team. And, you know, talking to him about various things and, and, and bouncing ideas off, off of, you know, things, the, you know, situational, uh, like hockey situations and, and systems and things like that. Um, it's nothing for me to, to pick up the phone and, and, and talk to him and, 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 you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, doesn't change. We, we can talk to each other like we see each other every day, or, you know, I don't talk to him for, you know, six, eight months and then we pick up the phone the way we go again. So he, you know, he, I've, I've really, uh, really valued that, that friendship and that, that mentorship from him too. So. Yeah. It's great to have those uh, type of relationships. And I find that's, you know, you, uh, that real relationship is there and you generally get to know that person. That's where, uh, the best learning takes place. For you personally, uh, you know, go, looking back in time at someone like yourself who was just getting into the game or if you were going to talk to somebody else in a similar position, uh, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they succeed in uh, the game of hockey? Probably the biggest thing, to be honest with you, is, um, and it sounds cliche when you say this, but you got to be a good person. 
you got you got to do things properly. You got to treat people properly. Uh, you, you know, you have to hold yourself accountable. Um, a lot of hockey uh, that I that I've seen a lot a lot where where it can go, we'll say south, if you will. Um, it's because people aren't in it for the right reasons. Uh, you know, they haven't treated people properly, things like that. So, you know, if you're, you know, you're treating people properly, you're, you're being, you're doing the best of your ability every, every day. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're being humble. Uh, you're keeping your head down and asking your questions and just being a general, you know, yourself, you're not trying to be anything that you're, that you're not. Um, you know, the other thing I've learned real quickly in hockey is, players see the, for lack of a better way of putting it, players see through the bullshit and the hockey world, uh, you know, it, it, there's a, there can be a lot of times, a lot of situations where, you know, parents and, and players are thinking one thing and then something else, you know, happens. It's totally different. Um, you know, it, you, you just have to be yourself. And if it, the one thing I'll tell you, one thing I learned from Trevor way back when, and, and this one has definitely stuck with me is, uh, is, uh, you know, be, uh, be upfront, be blunt, you know, you know, it's obviously you work on your delivery and how you want to tell people things, but for the most part, you know, don't sugarcoat anything, just tell them the way it is. And if, you know, some people are going to like it, some people are not, but at the end of the day, everybody knows where they stand. There's no, there's no miscommunications. There's no, well, I thought this, but you said that, you know, or you, you said this was going to happen. Well, no, I didn't. You don't have any of those problems. And, you know, like I said, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, the way you deliver it. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes it can be delivered better. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no, no angel when it comes to that. I've, I've done this and delivered plenty of messages over the years that, yeah, you know what? I could deliver that message better. I could have, uh, you know, I could have been, you know, a little bit more compassionate, things like that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, everybody knew exactly where they stood and, and that, and that's the big thing. So, you know, if, if you're doing everything to the best of your ability, you know, the way you should be properly with, with good intentions, uh, things will, you know, things will work out for you. Yeah. A great piece of advice and a number of things there that people can take away and, uh, you know, apply to their own process as they look to move forward in hockey operations. Uh, Andre, I just want to thank you again for taking uh, some time out of your morning to join me on the podcast and have a conversation about a number of different topics and, Hopefully things are uh, back to normal here soon and I wish you all the best moving forward. Well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate you having me on and uh, I, I look forward to, to seeing how far you climb up the hockey ladder. <laughs> all right. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, Paul, take care. I'd like to thank Andre for coming on the podcast and discussing his positions and previous experiences in the game. He's one of those people who was very open from the get-go. So again, I'd like to thank him for joining me on the podcast. If you would like to get in touch with Andre to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Paige Dixon, Director of Hockey Operations with Milton Menace and Female NCAA Player Advisor slash Manager of Hockey Ops with Avenue Sports Management. Paige looks at the junior hockey scene as well as life as an agent while speaking to female participation and growth in various areas of hockey operations, so subscribe today to hear that episode later this week. Once again, thank you everyone for listening and thank you for supporting the podcast across our various platforms. We hope to continue with these interviews and continually grow moving forward.
As always, stay safe.